You're not listening to the best of Broadway. You're listening to the best of Just Gow. It's the all new podcast with just uh, the weirdest stuff, the best stuff. It's going to be a good one. There's so much to talk about. Breaking news, uh, Broadway, television. It's, it's, it's exactly everything you want in a podcast, or at least this kind of podcast. So uh, let's just get it started. And uh, let's get the, we got a lot of business to cover. Well, if you uh, started the thing and you had people listening and some other people were like, what the hell are you listening? What, what is going on here? What is this horribleness? Well, that is the music from the musical Groundhog Day, which I saw on Monday, which I will uh, explain further later. I think we should probably just start from the beginning of everything. We do have breaking news. We have, uh, you know, other kind of, we have... Breaking Just Cow News, and we have Breaking News News. And the Breaking News News is the gayest of all breaking news. So, really, just everything about this podcast will be pretty much gay. There's really just no other way to put it. It's uh, when you're talking about a theater, show tunes, uh, and when you hear what the news is, it's not. Anyway, let's just. Uh, whatever. I've just. I, I've had so much to say. I feel like we've been gone for like three weeks, but it's only actually been a week. But remember, I recorded, I think, last Monday or Tuesday, so it has been a little, like, off. I'm like, I'm full of stuff. I Was I trying to get a guest? Yes, because we haven't had a guest in a long time. It's good to mix it up. But you know what? I had to say, no guest today. There's just too much to get through, and things would get lost in the shovel. Shuffle. Shuffle. Okay, now it's just you and me. Um, 
I asked Kevin Brennan to be on the podcast today, uh, but Wednesdays his wife goes to school, so he can't do Wednesdays, and I like doing Wednesdays. Uh, I'll get him on the weekend. I, he wants me to do his podcast at my, uh, quote, facility. I'm doing the air quotes. You can't see. Um, because he's, uh, what's the word, uh, retarded and can't seem to put stuff together. Uh, so he has a, the new podcast, which he charges people for, like Artie, on the Kumio Network. And then he gives out a free podcast. I can't imagine how long that's going to last because I just don't think he can put it together. It, you know, I mean, I don't mind doing it for him once in a while but i can't do it every week i gotta do my own podcast i gotta work on my own thing but uh i did go down let's just start at the beginning all right start at the beginning of the week of where we left off now wednesday night after i did my last podcast i did tom papa's show but before i went down i got a call from Sarah Silverman's manager. Uh, oh, well, the, what am I doing? Uh, this is the new, this is the thing I've been talking about that we're going to play every time there's breaking Juskow show business news. This is the clip I've been talking about. It's not very good, but this, this is when you'll know there's breaking news. Hey, Mike, how are you? Dave, one hour ago, Bob Wright conveyed to us an offer for you to host The Tonight Show. Now, don't jump to any conclusions. Let me lay all this out. The deal is three years with an option. The salary range is seven to 12 million. Now, that's my favorite clip. Just for like, I love going into people. Uh, you know, my friend Joe. Joe, one hour ago, I got a call from Sarah Silverman's manager. Then I want the music to start. You know, I got to get that music so I can do it the way. Anyway, on that Wednesday, Sarah Silverman was so enamored with my performance, my heavyweight performance, uh, saying that literally and figuratively, in uh, Crashing, that I got a call from her manager and... Her manager said, we would like you to open for Sarah on April 21st in Toronto. You know, stand-up comedy on her tour. And I said, listen, I've had just about enough of your shit. This isn't April 1st yet, so I know you're not pulling a prank, but I don't appreciate the gag. But it's true. It's happening. And uh, I said, yes. I said, I would love to do it. Um, oh, Dorothy, I love what you did with our seat today. Yeah, I said yes. Now, normally, when somebody asks me to do it, I usually say no. Uh, Artie's asked me to do it a couple of times. I say no because I'm not ready. I'm not ready because I haven't been performing. I haven't been practicing. But this one was too, it was too good to say no. This is one of those opportunities. I mean, I think there's like 2,000 people. It's at a casino um, in Toronto. And even though I'm not, uh, you know, ready, ready, I'm going to make it. I got three weeks and I'm going to do it. And I said I would do it. And I said I'd love to do it. And they go. And then, and then of course, well, th let me lay out the terms for you. And these are the terms. And they're hilarious, of course. Uh, but I said, you know, whatever she wants. Because it's, it's her. It's, this is beautiful. Because if I was going as a friend, these terms would be unacceptable. But as, uh, as we've seen in Crashing, the opener puts up with a lot of shit. So I'm okay with that. So... I mean, mm. sorry, everybody. 
Um, anyway, so I meet her in. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna meet her in New York, and then we're gonna fly together. But she flies first class. I fly in coach. Exhibit A. Uh, when we go to the casino, which I guess is about a half hour out of Toronto, which I've never been to before, by the way. Um, I have a place at the hotel. They're putting me up in a hotel, but she'd prefer if I go back to Toronto and stay with her and stay on her couch. I'm like, all right. And then when we go to the airport home that day, uh, you have to stay with her until her flight to uh, wherever she's going uh, leaves, and then you can go home. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> uh, this deal, I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, Lando Calrissian. His deal is getting worse and worse every minute. Uh, but it's still a pretty good deal. I mean, it's funny. It's funny because, um, you know, you kind of get I'm getting treated like shit. But uh, she wants her friend there. And I, 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 I couldn't be more thrilled. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm actually not nervous about it. I think I can do this. You know, her manager's like, you got 15 minutes, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> 15. Are you kidding me? I, I got 12. I can push into the reality the reality is i got two minutes i got two minutes this is just like in love actually where they're like um there's just one insy bitsy problem it's, it, it, it's a, such a minute problem i wouldn't even mention it it's, it's, it's a tiny little drip in the ocean of what the problem is that you don't have any material do you no um but uh i will and i've been practicing so what i did was i called up uh, this uh, wonderful guy, Emilio, who owns the New York Comedy Club, and I wrote him a, a very heartfelt letter. I said, listen, I, I have this opportunity, and I love your club, and I would like to work out there if it's at all possible. And he goes, dude, my wife and I were just watching Crashing. I was about to Facebook you and say, okay. So the Crashing comes through again. It's giving me a little play. So he has been able to put me on, um, which is lovely because I need practice. I need practice. So I was supposed to go to Orlando this week, as you might remember. See my nephew in the Disney World. See uh, my friend Katie. See some other thing. Blah, 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 blah. And I canceled the trip. I canceled the trip because Dave Juskow, your pal, is growing up. And he's saying, don't blow it this time. My entire life has been, no, no, I'll go to Orlando. I'm going to have a good time, right? But remember, what have we been talking about on this show for the past couple weeks? How do you become a successful comedian? You just practice. You do it every night. Now, I'm not doing it every night. And most of the people say, you're, you're the kind of guy that doesn't need to do it every night. You just need some brush up. You need to get up in front of people. And I'm good with that. I'm not going to do it every night. But I canceled the trip to show myself, really, the show of faith that I have that I'm really going to try and make this work. Because, you know, if I do well, I can open for her again. And then maybe I would feel comfortable opening for Dave, uh, which, which he's actually at the Stress Factory the week after. So maybe I'm sure he'd let me do a guest spot. And now maybe I'll be prepared for that guest spot. And um, I don't know. You know, maybe I can I can do a regular opening for somebody on the road instead of just guest spots. It's a good deal all around. Uh, you know, I mean, is, is stand-up the thing I want to do? No, but I think there's a place for me somewhere, even though my material is just kind of stupid but who cares, right? I mean, it's just, I'm the warm-up guy. I'm the perfect warm-up guy. My material is stupid. 
So they'll be starving for the, uh, you know, Sarah or Dave or they'll be starving for the, 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 the actual comedic. They'll be like, this guy's all right, but let's get, let's get to the meat because that's what you want. You don't want somebody really great. I mean, a tell doesn't matter. That's why he, he'll put anybody on. He doesn't give a shit. But, um, you know, I'm the perfect warm-up guy. I'll, I'll never overshadow anyone. Although John Stewart still doesn't see it that way. He's still mad about that one time in the 90s in Princeton. He's still angry. Uh, what was I going to do? I was doing a Springsteen bit. Come on. I did, You know, it kills. What do you want me to do? It's just got lucky. It's it's a hacky bit. Guy couldn't follow me. What do you want me to say? What do you want? He's still angry? He's still angry. He's still angry. Well, you know, because every time he sees me, he says, you're still doing that Ernie Douglas thing. Well, you know what? You know what? Uh, today, I got a cappuccino from Dunkin' Donuts. Never had it before. It's not bad. It's not good either. Mm. Dunkin' Donuts really are the stupidest people on the planet, people that work there. Um, anyway, that's the thing. So I got four spots coming up this week. Um, and I was like, do I go to Orlando or to give up four spots? And I'm like, no, nah, I got, you know what? I got to give up the trip. I'm going to lose some money on the flight. I'm going to lose money on the rental car, the hotel I got back, but it's worth it. Right. Because it just is, it's just, it, it's smart. It's smarter to, uh, practice. And be ready. And this gives me three good weeks. And, uh, you know, Sarah's coming in the like the week of, which is always troublesome because, you know, then, um, you know, I got to hang out with her. I mean, I'm sure she'd understand if I have a spot, but it's like embarrassing to tell Sarah, oh, I got to, I got to, you know, where you perform. And she'll be like, yeah, I'm performing at the uh, Normal Dome. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I got a spot at the New York Comedy Club. Um, but I love that New York Comedy Club. It's a great club. Now, he let me perform there on Thursday night and then Saturday at, there was a 5.30 show. And I'm like, I'm not, I have no problems with that. I got no problems. I'm not, you know, it's cool. And then I'm going to be at this, um, well, actually, I just found out. I think it's the Grizzly Pear. I don't care. I don't care. I was looking for bar shows anyway. Um, who cares, right? I just got to get in front of people and try not to suck. And maybe I can work this out. Maybe I can work this out. I'm just going to feel comfortable about it. I'm going to be a professional. I'm going to be a professional, you know? So that's my plan, to be a professional. So then, so Wednesday's Tom Papa show, right? So I go down to the cellar, and I see Liz, the manager, and I say, Liz, I just got this wonderful opportunity. I'm going to open it for Sarah on April 21st. I wonder if I can get on the new joke night here at the lounge. And she goes, she says, no, I only use cellar comics here. Well, ow, stab in the heart. I know I'm not a seller comic, but I perform at the cellar. They let me sit at the table. You know how it is, whatever. I'm like, wait, you can't put me on new joke night? New joke night. Nobody's even going to know. They'll be like, oh, he's trying out new jokes. His new jokes suck. I mean, really, you can't do me a solid this one time. Um, so I said, well, I get it, whatever. So the next night, I went. Back down there because the show I was going on was 9.30. So I'm like, you know what? I'll stop at the cellar. And I don't know why. Oh, I know why. Because Kevin wanted us to do this podcast. So he says, let's do it at 7 o'clock. I said, that'll be fine because I got a spot at 9.30 at the New York Comedy Club. So we do his podcast. But it was horrible because he doesn't have any equipment. So he's doing it on his phone. They're, they're doing construction. It, it was the worst. And it was like an embarrassment that even asked me to do it. I was really furious because, you know, I got all this equipment here. I said, just do it at my house. And he just didn't understand. And it was a complete waste of time. 
he's talking into his phone. And I've heard the podcast where his equipment hasn't worked and he's using the phone. I turn it off. Whenever I'm listening, I turn it off. I don't want to hear anybody's podcast that's done on their phone. I don't. That's my pet peeve is sound. If you don't have quality sound, I don't want to listen to your unprofessional show. That's the way we did the Cars movie. I told Memo, I said, listen, I don't care what it really looks like. I'm just all about the sound because anything that doesn't sound perfect sounds like a porno and unprofessional, not interested. So we do his stupid show. We talk about the 50. I mean, I love doing Kevin's show, but I'm not going to do it into a phone. It was stupid. And then he's like, can we do it Saturday at your house? I'm like, we already did. I got to do my own stuff. And then and I had a show. I was doing so I was like, whatever. So after that, so Sherrod is there and he's doing the new joke night. And he goes, Jessica, do you want to come on? And he didn't even know that I'd had this thing with Liz. And he goes, do you want to do? I'll put you on. It was weird. He's like, I'll put you on. I'm like, well, Liz said I couldn't do it. He goes, I'll put you on. It's my, don't worry about it. And I'm like, oh, I can't. I got to do another show tonight. This sucks because that would be perfect. Thank you. But he doesn't normally do the show. So that stinks. So anyway, I'm sitting down. I'm at the comics table and I'm with the owner, Noam, and his wife, his pregnant wife, who's so lovely. And we're talking and, I, and, he go, and Noam goes, why don't you do new joke night? Because I told him I was opening for Sarah. And I said, Liz won't let me. She specifically said, I only use Comedy Cellar comics. And they both were like, ouch. Oh, that's tough. Um, they were upset about that. It's weird. Does Liz not like me? Uh, I can't tell. I, I didn't think we had any problems, but that is, uh, that's pretty, pretty mean. Uh, I, it's kind of weird. The owner has always said, I like Dave's comedy, and then the manager won't put me up. I don't want to go above her, behind her back or anything like that, so I don't think she knows anything about that, but that's weird, right? So then I'm sitting with them. And I'm talking with them, and I'm nervous because I know I got to go to this spot. I don't want to be late for my first spot at this new club where this guy's giving me a favor. He said, just be there between 9.30 and 9.40. So I'm leaving to go, and I'm running a little late. And I'm like, because I was like, oh, what do I do? Because I'm talking to these guys, and, like, you know, he, uh, it's hard to leave. It's hard to leave this other. And then he's like, at 9.20, he goes, are you close? And I'm like, uh... I'm on my way because I know he said between 9.30 and 9.40 and I got there at 9.35 and, I, and they put me immediately up because I was late. Apparently my spot it was 9.20, but there's no way he told me it was at 9.20 because I said, you didn't Facebook me or anything that it, to get there at 9.20. And he said he did, but he knows he didn't. So, but I felt like a dick and we made fun of it. Thank God he, you know, I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't even believe I was late the first time. He, uh, so he's giving me shit, but in a good way, I think. And then he gave me a spot on Saturday, even though it's a five o'clock show. And I'm going to do the Thursday 6.30 show. They're all lame shows, but that's okay. I got to earn my place there. It's all right. If I asked him for a later show, I'm sure maybe he would give it to me. But I'm not even ready for that yet. So we'll see what happens. Just as long as I can do anything and perform in front of people is good. i so embarrassed to be late. And then I was at the club. It's such a nice club. They got a green room. Oh, it was terrific because, um, you know, everybody had seen Crashing. So I felt like a million bucks, you know, and, you know until they saw my act. Uh, but I felt, you know, I felt good. I felt, um, I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm somebody. I'm somebody. This is terrific. Uh, Harrison Greenbaum came in. He goes, Dave Jessica from t- from HBO's Crashing. Um, it was exciting. The only person that didn't seem to know were the really pretty girls. Uh, that was, I uh, was like, damn it. I don't want to tell them. I have to have other people tell them. Uh, but it was really funny because I went down there and, you know, I was talking to some of the guys, you know, and they've been working there for years and they're kids or whatever. And it was like, 
uh, yeah, I was on HBO's Crush, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm opening it for Sarah, and I just, you know, came off, and it, it all sounded like every, yeah, I was just at the cellar, you know, I was talking to the owner, like, everything I said sounded like I was a dick, uh, even though I wasn't, and I was being sincere, but I guess it probably came off as just being a complete tool, um, well, what are you gonna do, but it was all real, it's not like I was, I, you, I don't even want to, I mean, now I'm good with the crashing. Remember last week I was devastated. Now I'm good with it. I know I'm fat. Did you see somebody posted on Facebook? I didn't even know. Apparently, Pete Holmes talks about each individual episode behind the scenes. And the one for this one, it says, uh, this was the hardest I ever laughed. Remember, I told you that that happened. But he says, he goes, yeah, because Dave Juskow was making me laugh. His breasts were exposed. I'm like, oh, my God, it just keeps getting worse and worse. Even though it's great, it's going to be talked about. It's the hardest he ever laughed. And certainly one would think I would be on the next season, but who knows. But that's how much Sarah even liked the performance. People liked the performance. And, uh, well, good, because um, we got to do something, right? So then, you know, I, my Sarah and Sarah's manager were like, your manager better get you work from this. She better be hustling for you. I think my manager, Vanessa, who you've met on the show before, went out to California. She was talking to Sarah's manager like, hey, I'm Dave Juskow's manager. Remember, I said she's very excited to be my manager. She's obviously retarded. <laughs> and uh, so now they're all ganging. They're like, she better do something. They're like, they're like really angry if she doesn't do anything. So I called her. I'm like, listen, there's a lot of pressure on you. Uh, you know, you got a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of people who are looking for things to happen. You got a lot of problems. So on Saturday, I'm walking home and she goes, Are you telling people I'm not your manager? So somebody was telling her something and she was, uh, she texted me. She's like, I just want to get this out in the open. Are you telling people I'm not your manager? Because she just got burned by like another client. And I'm like, um, No, I'm not telling people you're not my manager. I'm embarrassed that I have a manager, but I am absolutely not telling people you're not my manager. I'm just embarrassed to have a manager. I had to explain that to her. Like, I'm Dave Juskow. I'm kind of a loser. I don't deserve to have a manager. You know, it's like, I don't want to walk around saying my manager says, uh, you know, like, that's why I told her. I'm like, it's bad kind of when you come to the cellar. Like, once in a while, it's good. But I don't want to be like, this is my manager. You know, it's it's too it's too weird for like a year ago, I was doing nothing. And now I'm working at the cellar a little bit more, you know, not clearly as a comic. But, you know, I do those shows. I sell out these shows. And now I'm on crashing. And all of a sudden, I got, you know, now, yeah, now I got a manager. Hey, 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 you know. So I feel like an idiot. I don't want to be that guy. We've all known people like that that suck. Um, that, that, what's that suck that have a manager and they bring them around? Well, I'm certainly not doing that. The problem is she loves comedy. I mean, she loves comedy. One of those people that loves comedy. And, uh. She loves being at the cellar. She loves going out to see comedy. I mean, you know, it's like Jessica Pilot. I still can't understand. I, I don't understand what kind of people love comedy like that. Even though I love comedy, I don't love stand-up comedy. Like, I, even in my younger years, I, I hated going to the clubs. I don't understand why anybody would want to go. But there are those people out there. But Vanessa's really nice, and she's definitely my manager. I'm putting it out there. Vanessa Barrios is my manager. So you just, if you're listening, which I, I don't think she listens to the podcast, you can, she's got a lot of other stuff going on. But, you know, she's a kid. I just I make fun of her when they, uh, you know, make fun of them. They're like, hey, you're like Liz came in. She goes, your manager came in. She's like, when are, are t how many tickets are sold? She's like, they're not even on sale yet. So, yeah, she shouldn't probably be, be talking to the manager of the comedy seller. But I don't care. It's funny. 
she's young. She doesn't, she doesn't know any better, but it doesn't matter. She'll figure it out, and I really don't care. And if she's, quite frankly, at this point, if she's going to talk to Liz, that should be the perfect person. Liz, Liz is very angry. Who knows? Maybe that's the reason she's angry, because I got my manager asking her about ticket sales, and I think she clearly hates when people ask her about ticket sales, because every time I ask her about ticket sales, she gives me the runaround. So now if my manager comes up, maybe that was her way of getting back at me for having my manager go up, which I clearly didn't tell her to do. But I really don't care. Vanessa's all right. And she just got burned by this girl who we think is maybe spreading the rumors or something that maybe putting a little earworms in Sarah's ear like, you know, that girl, I don't know what she's going to do for just now. Sarah's like really angry. It's, it's kind of funny. It, it's cute. But, you know, it puts me on edge. It puts her on edge. But it's nice. They want something to happen. Meanwhile, well, I guess Sarah did do something. You know, Sarah could make something happen, really. But, but I guess she is doing that. And uh, Toronto, never been there. Attell keeps calling me with material all the time, but it's horrible material. Like He's like, why don't you do uh, Jeff's joke? And I'm like, why would I do Jeff's joke? Jeff has a great joke. He goes, um, uh, I don't know if you've seen that video, Two Girls in One Stanley Cup. Uh, funny stuff. And I said, hey, that's something you don't want to mention in Canada because I don't think there's been a Canadian team that's won the Stanley Cup in 20 years. I mean, if the Rangers won in 94, nobody, there's been not, I'm positive just by memory, there's not been a Canadian team to win since 94 at least. And I did take a look. I believe the Canadians won in 93. And remember, that's Montreal. Toronto, I don't think they've won since the 40s. So the last thing you want to do is mention the Stanley Cup while you're there, I think, in Toronto. Obviously, mentioning hockey is okay, but, yeah, you don't want to mention uh, the Stanley Cup while you're there, I don't think. But, I mean, yeah, he's just trying to help. But it is funny. He just keeps uh, telling me stuff. I don't know what it is. It's completely useless, but he's just joking around. Um, he's he's really having fun that I'm going to Toronto. Um and he doesn't seem to mind that I'm opening for Sarah. I mean, I had to be honest with him. Like, obviously, I don't even want to tell him anything about Sarah, but I don't like to lie to him, so I told him everything. Uh, yeah, and that, you know, that that Wednesday when I was there, uh, that was a fun hang night. I was there on, you know, with Tom, but I didn't, I only drank at the very end. I didn't even drink. Usually I get smashed after I do his show or my show or whatever, but I was getting off that sickness, so I didn't. So I just hung out the whole night without drinking, and then Rachel was there, and then Bonnie McFarlane was there. It was her birthday. It's always fun, you know. It's always a good time. Um, my friend Sam was there for a little. We talked for a while. He's a really great guy, and um, yeah, it was fun. I think I just I uh, stayed until two. I, I, I felt like I got home early because I got home at like two thirty instead of four. I didn't go to that other bar this time, you know. Like I just hung out, and it was a fun hang, and this. Girl was there that I like, um, that I'd like to go out with. And then we ended up going to lunch after Soul Cycle because she works out near there. And then uh, uh, I found out uh, she lost her job. And I said, maybe I can help. And then she said, yeah, I think I don't, I think I only like you as a friend. Then I said, I'm not hoping I get a job, man. Forget <laughs> that. Let me tell you something. That girl should be going out with me because there's no one for her. She's disgusting. I have no idea why I'm attracted to it. I don't know why. It's something, you know, it's one of those Molly Ringwald things. I don't know. You don't, this, you don't think something about it? No, I do not. Jake, she's a child. She's way too young to party. That's the line. <laughs> I don't know why I'm not using that more often. Jake, she's a child. She's way too young to party serious. That's the line. That's the line I'm looking for. 
So, um, right. I'm looking. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I met, uh, you know, who was at the club on Thursday, New York Comedy Club? Shuley from the Howard Stern Show. He's a terrific guy. It's exciting always meeting somebody from the Howard. I've met him before, but um, very nice guy. Very nice guy. Anyway, um, on Friday, I I got home and uh, I just went home because I was, you know, I, I put everything in order, what I needed to do. You know, I knew I was performing Saturday, even if it was five o'clock. I knew it was so, so, so Friday. I'm like, it was raining. It was pouring. I'm like, I'll just stay home. It'll be beautiful. I was just relaxed, just relax, because I had to, you know, I was like, am I going to cancel that trip? Am I going to cancel that trip? Get my thoughts together. Saturday, went to Soul Cycles, right thing to do at lunch. Then I did that 5.30 show. And it's funny, you know, I see the, these really pretty young girls who do these shows. And it, me and Chris Murphy were talking about this. There's, these, there's a bunch of really beautiful girls who are not good at comedy. They're not good. They're not, you know, it's funny. I'm thinking about Sarah. And I've met her when she was 19, you know. And there was always something about her. She wasn't great, but there was something there. These girls that are really beautiful, I mean really, really beautiful, these blonde, really pretty girls, it's so funny. They go, they know how to work social media. So they're on the 5.30 and 6.30 shows, but sometimes they get bigger shows because they're really pretty and people like when they're around. But it's funny, like, you know, you can see them on Facebook or on Twitter and they're like, I'm playing here tonight. And they're just so good at tweeting it and they keep meeting people. Obviously, the you know, celebrities will always want to take pictures with them. So it looks like they they are amazing. And all these girls, they they perform everywhere. They're like, I'll be headlining at the Denver Improv. I'll be I'll be headlining in South Carolina. I mean, it's, you know, but of course, they're always on like Tuesday or Wednesday nights or something. But there's a whole bunch of there's like a like a like ten or twelve of these really pretty blonde girls who are horrible comics, who just get a lot of work and for some reason are able to travel all over the place. I don't know how they make a living. I know one girl; her family has money. I don't know how the other girls do it. It's quite fascinating, and they're good enough, I guess, that they can go on stage and look like they're professional. But it's fascinating. It's like a new thing. And Murphy was saying, like, none of these people, they don't, nobody, like, when we were growing up, you had to pass at a club. You had to put in your dues and you had to pass at a club to perform there. Now it's just not necessary to pass. You could do open mics and say you're performing somewhere. And on social media, it looks like you're performing somewhere. And nobody knows the difference. You don't say it's an open mic. You'll be, I'll be here. I'll be here. Here's my schedule for the week. They're all open mics, but nobody knows the difference. They're really good at working the social media and take a picture of themselves while they're on vacation or they're, they're like, come see me in South Carolina, you know, and uh, it, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm so jealous in a way that, uh, that they're so smart at working their looks and really no talent. Uh, I mean, I guess they're a little talent. I don't know. I don't know what they expect. I guess they all expect to be movie actors. I don't, but they're, they're always out there every night. You know, with my theory of like, no, I got to do spots. I got to do spots. Like I've seen a couple of them tweet, "I can't get a boyfriend because I got to do spots. I got to do spots." I, I'm, I'm, I just, I, I don't know. You know, it's like Sarah really wanted to be a comic, and is still a comic. No matter what else she does, she loves being a comic. She paid her dues. 
And she is a professional stand-up comedian, and that's what she wanted to be. I can't tell if these girls really want to do it or if they just see Amy Schumer and Sarah doing it, and that's why they want to do it. It's like when Sarah did it, there were no icons for her. I mean, if you think about Sarah Silverman, and, and I know she's my friend, but we, we, I think we've discussed this before, she's a true pioneer. I mean, who were her, you know, her idols were men. Her idols were Steve Martin. We know this. And, you know, who knows who else, but I'm saying she didn't have any female idols. I mean, you know, when she have Joan Rivers, she's like, I, yeah, I'm going to be a pretty, com-, you, know, like, you know, that's all she had. Uh, but I don't even think she ever thought about Joan Rivers. I don't think that was an idol in any way, shape, or form for her. So, you know, it's so weird when you, when you know, a girl like that, I mean, she really is a pioneer. Now these girls who I'm talking about right now, they've got, they've got icons. They've got Sarah. They've got Sarah, I mean, Amy now, but I'm just saying Sarah was the one. They've got Chelsea Handler. They can see these pretty girls. They're like, now I can, I can do this. But Sarah had nothing. She just went in blind and well, she was kind of like a tomboy, but she was really pretty. And that probably helped a little bit being a little bit of a tomboy because she could penetrate <laughs> the men's club and get in. Yes, with her looks, but also uh, with her kind of shining light that 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 was about her and and fun. But she just she always wanted to be a comic. It was funny, you know, because I remember there was a. A girl that she was friends with when they started out, and I remember I had to tell her she was very pretty too, and I said, I'll be friends with you, but we can never talk about comedy because you stink. I think I told you this last week. But for Sarah, there was never any reason to ever say anything like that. And I guess the reason why her and I are still friends, or me and Atel and all those guys, is because maybe I wasn't the best stand-up comic, but... I guess they felt comfortable talking about comedy in front of me because I did it and I did okay and I know the rules. I mean, that's the thing. I have the gist down. I know how to be a comic. I just don't have the material. Once I get the material, I it, it's going to be I mean, it's going to be sick because I know how to do stand-up comedy. I just don't have the material, but I'm telling you if I did, I could be as good as anybody. Um that's the thing. I don't need that much practice. I just have to memorize it. And, you know, my material stinks. It's just horrible. It's just, it's nothing. You know, it's not, it's not about me. It's just stupid jokes. I put them up on the board. Like I'm putting up the ones on the left hand, on my board in my kitchen. The ones on the left hand side are the ones I'm definitely doing. The ones on the right are ones I'm thinking about. And then I have the order. And right now I only got two in the order. And I open with that Nick Cage joke because it works every time. I hate it. I'm like, I just come up and I'm like, Oh, I didn't think you you didn't think Nick Cage was going to do comedy tonight, did you? How are you? People, they just start laughing. What am I supposed to do? My Murphy always says, he's like, you got to open with that. I'm like, I hate that. He goes, it gets a laugh as soon as you walk out. There's no way to lose. He's right. It works every time. And then I just go like, yeah, I love to laugh. You know, I mean, it just kills every time. What am I going to do? I look like Nicolas Cage. I think I have less hair. But he has less hair. He's wearing a wig or whatever he's wearing. And I want it. Oh, so get this. You, you're not going to believe this. Are you sitting down? Have you had enough to eat? That, listen to this. In 1989, and I've told you this before, I was on the Morton Downey Jr. show. I call up my grandmother. I think you know the story. I call up my grandmother. I say, how do you like the show? She goes, David, we have some money put aside. You should get your nose done. And I'm like, what? I didn't, what? 
I wasn't even thinking about that. I saw myself on the show. I never even thought about my nose. Then all this, you know, the next year later, whatever, the months later, I was like, oh, my God, I got a huge nose because then it's in my head. Subway doors would close. I'm like, I better move back. My nose is huge. Never even occurred to me. So my sister, my mother made me get it done. They made me get it done. They're like, you have to. Sunday, I get a call from my sister. I can't, you're not even believe this. You ready for this? Are you ready for this? Because you can't even, you, you can't even imagine what I'm going to say. My sister goes, we have some money put aside. I swear to God, the exact, she doesn't even know she's doing it. <laughs> we have some money put aside if you want to get your eyes done. Soak that in. That happened. And I said, what? I said, wait, wait. I, I was worried about my weight and my hair. I didn't even notice my eyes. I haven't even been able to watch it again because now I'm going to only notice my eyes. I'm like, I didn't even think anything was wrong. She's like, yeah, you got to get rid of those bags. And I'm like, the fuck are you guys talking about? You and Rhoda, what are you guys talking about? What is, where did this come from? I wasn't even thinking about that ever. I, and now I, I, uh, and then my sister got angry at me. I was like, I was first I was like, this is 1989 all over again. You don't see this? And then she started getting furious at me like, you know, you better get it done because, you know, mommy is paying for it. Whatever. And I'm like, we just decided she doesn't have any money. She's broke. She goes, well, she has this money. And I'm like, and she wants to spend. I'm like, but you, you just said last week she's going to finish this money and then we have to put her in a home because she's broke. So what does he say? She's going to be in the home. I used my last thousand to get my son an eye job. I thought it was the right thing. I mean, what am I going to live with that? What? What? I, I, you know, I'm going to end up doing it because they're going to pressure me. But I, I look at myself in the mirror. I don't even notice. It doesn't even occur to me that the problem. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to keep looking. I, you know, now that I've even seen myself, I'm still like, what is so bad? If she said, we'd like to get your hair implants, I said, okay, that I want to do. I didn't even notice my eyes. I didn't even notice my eyes. So you got to get them done now. My sister and mother, they're crazy. And this is all my mother's fault when she told my sister many years ago, listen, women like us, we have to wear a lot of makeup. Who says that to their child? Let alone my dad always telling us we were unattractive, that we don't look anything like him. We're ugly. We look like our mother. That's what he would say. He's like, you look like the Reitman's side of the family. You're all very unattractive. So they've always been telling us we're ugly, but it doesn't matter so much for a boy, although it probably did because that's probably why I am so insecure when it comes to girls even. Uh, they certainly didn't make me feel handsome. Uh, but for my, a girl, my sister was a mess for years. Uh, but it's amazing. It, she must still be affected. It's so weird, right? I don't know. It's, it, the weird part is the guy that did my nose, it's his son. That would do the eyes. And I don't know how it works. I don't know how long it takes. And I don't even know. I mean, what am I going to look like? Uh, that cat lady or something? How does that work? Is it going to be like really obvious? I, I don't know. Is it is it really going to help? I guess they're thinking uh, you know, my career's taken off or something. But that's what we thought in 1989. And that, that nothing happened. Well, he's got a series. He's got a series now. This is my friend Vincent goes, yeah, he got a series. Actually, that's why I was going to. Uh, let's let, let's let's go to that. So, okay, so um, 
um, my friend Vincent, Vincent Masso, who, as we know, you don't remember the name, played the character of Bobby Barbarina. That's right. He won't come in. He's got the photos. I said, give me the goddamn photos. I got it. He's got the photos where he's dressed up as Bobby Barbarino. He won't give them to me. I'm going to go over his house and I'm going to get them and I'm going to tweet him. He's got the photos with the rest of the goddamn cast. We must have them. He's going to be a boring podcast person. He's not going to want to talk about anything and he's a completely fascinating guy. I'll get him to talk, maybe. Maybe it'll be a sucky podcast, but listen, we're going to have Bobby Barbarino on. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Bobby Barbarino's going to be sitting in the chair. <laughs> but anyway, Vince is my friend of yours, and we went out with the legendary acting teacher who we've talked about on this podcast multiple times, Larry Moss. And this was our yearly musical we go to see Groundhog Day. But it was great because Vincent's like, Larry, you're not going to believe it. Just got a series. <laughs> That's what he's saying. But Larry was very excited that I was on the TV show. Very excited. You know, and I'm excited too. So so get this though. This is hilarious. So I go to him and I'm like, all right, what do we do? I changed my hours at work. Are we having, we're going to the show, then we'll have dinner after? He goes, no, um, Larry can't eat late. And I'm like, why? We always go eat afterwards because it's much more fun to go eat after the show because then you can talk about the show and you talk about everything. He's like, Larry doesn't like to eat late anymore. And I'm like, why not? What the fuck? We always do that. He goes, Dave. He's 75 years old. Can you believe I'm like, oh, I, didn't re- <laughs> I had no idea. It's really funny. I guess it's going to happen more and more. People are like, Dave, he's 92 years What? Um, he's actually only 73, but 75 is funnier. Uh, but I had no idea. He definitely does not look like he's in his 70s. So that was surprising. Uh, so we had to go to dinner before. But here's the best part. Now, uh... In February, after the Super Bowl, I came on this podcast and gave nonstop shit to the kid in my office who I said is going to eventually come out of the closet as gay. He's got a girlfriend now. He's definitely going to come out because he's gay because he went to go see Dear Evan Hansen, the hottest show on Broadway, granted, besides Hamilton, on Super Bowl Sunday. At 7 o'clock. And I gave him nonstop shit in person. And I gave him nonstop shit in this podcast. I, I mean, what? Who the hell goes to a... Bro- what man goes to a Broadway show on Super Bowl Sunday? I gave him nonstop shit. As it turns out... Uh... I ended up going to a Broadway show during the national championship. So, uh, eating my words. When they said, which day do you want to go? I said, not Mondays. Not Mondays anyway. And of course, they're like, we're going Monday. And I'm like, great. It's April 3rd. Not thinking for two seconds. You know, you don't think of April 3rd. I'm like, that's the night. I, I wasn't that. I, you know, we found that this is a month before. I'm not thinking April 3rd is the national championship. I don't know why. I'm usually pretty good about that, but I didn't. And uh, so it was. There's nothing I could do about it. And I ended up going to a goddamn Broadway show during the goddamn national championship. So apparently I only need moments to come out of the closet and take my medicine like a man. (laughs) 
It's so it was so embarrassing. I had to apologize to Cam. Oh, I said <laughs> at the office. I think I said the same anyway. Um, and I had to apologize to him. I'm like, uh, listen, uh, all that stuff I said. Uh, sorry about that. I turns out I messed up too. Uh, and I thought the show would be at seven because I know the thing starts really late, but it was at eight o'clock. Like it didn't get any worse. It was like right during the national championship. But I really didn't care. I bet on it anyway. And let's face that. And you know, as it turns out, that game sucked anyway. It was bad. It was just a bad game. It wasn't very entertaining until the end, which I got to see. I made it home in time, so it was fine. Let's talk about Groundhog Day. Oh, first of all, oh, what you know? There's so much to discuss. Uh, let's let me talk about this first. All right, so we're at dinner, uh, me, Larry, and Vincent. Now, we go to Joe Allen's, which is, you know, the theater place. And the waiter's there. You know, I've told you about this guy, Larry Moss. Now, you don't know him, but this theater community, again, it's like I'm with Sarah or George Clooney or Steven Spielberg. I mean, that is the ridiculous people are, you know, like what I, like I was like with Martin Short when they see him. So the waiters are all going there. They don't even acknowledge me. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying they don't even like go to the other table and say, hi, how are you? Or, so, you know, as a polite, just they are so focused on Larry with everything they're doing. This waiter, waitress comes down and she goes, oh, yeah, I got that. You know, he knows everybody there. And she goes, I got that directing. I got my first directing gig. And then it just gets worse and worse. It's for, well, it's actually just for a regional thing. It's a, well, actually, it's just more like a, a middle school. It's a, it's a production of Greece. And uh, well, actually, you know, it just gets worse and worse. But he, he's being very polite and everything. But she never even looks at me to even be like, oh, these are your friends. And he never introduces because he's kind of a dick that way. But that's all right. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's always so, uh, interesting to see people go crazy over him it's kind of fascinating um anyway i tell him i'm auditioning and i think i told you this i'm auditioning for the new musical tootsie so he said that there is a documentary coming out i believe of him is it him him and james l brooks i think it's coming out and i don't know whether it's about acting teaching or acting whatever it is it's it's either out or it's coming. I think it's coming out, but a long time ago, they put together a an acting uh, class, and they used the scene in Tootsie where Terry Gar is auditioning with Dustin Hoffman, and they do this in this documentary six different ways. Let me play you the scene. I got to get to it. Um, I think it's a little. In. Tick. Oh. Will you tell me what? Nothing's wrong, Mike. I'm, I'm not hmm? worried about that audition Why? because Why? I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get because I'm completely wrong for it. Why? What kind of a part is it? All right, here's the other woman. You don't have a man, so you want to act like one. You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. I'm very proud of being a woman. All right, Sandy, wait a minute now. This guy treats you like dirt because you're a woman and he's a big doctor, right? But you don't have to take that. You can talk to him on his level. Show me what you mean. You're wrong, Dr. What are you doing, a southern accent? You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. I'm very proud of being a woman. See, I can't do it as good as you. Yes, you can. Just turn the tables on him. Come on now, will you? You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. I'm very proud of being a woman. Where am I? Oh. I don't know what you're playing. Well, I'm playing rage. I'm enraged. You told me that to turn the tables on him, and I'm playing rage. This is rage? I have a problem with anger. 
Yeah, you certainly do. But I'll tell you something. There's a hundred other actresses reading for this part who don't have a problem with anger, who aren't afraid of working, who aren't afraid to stick everything out on the line and do it. Well, don't get mad at me. Well, stop being a doormat then. I'm not a doormat. Act right now. Do it. You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. I am... Come on. You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. What do I have to do? Hit you with a stick? You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. I am very proud to be a woman. And I'm proud of this hospital. And before I see yeah. it destroyed by your petty tyrannies... Have the anger. Don't show it to me. Don't I'll push. I recommend to the board that you be thrown out into the street. Don't lose it now. Good day, Dr. Brewster. Don't whine like you're a second-rate actress. I said good day. Not bad. Pretty good. Did you feel how much I hated you? Yeah. Did you really? You yeah. felt it? Oh, yeah, no. that's why I'm... Now, wait, where are you going? How am I going to get it back tomorrow? How... So, is the, 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 you know... Now that I've heard that scene again, knowing that they used it as an acting scene, I'm fascinated by that scene. Now, I've seen this movie, as you probably all have, like a hundred times. And, you know, it's funny. You, you don't think about it. A Terry Gar, you know, is so underrated, even though she wasn't really because she was in plenty of stuff. And she acts like herself. But that's good acting when you have to act kind of bad and she was amazing in that movie anyway but you know i never thought about that until i just saw it again today or heard it and then him coaching her and the way he's doing it and trying to get her enraged is really good stuff too so they said they did it different ways i wish i could remember he said he would do the podcast one day where like one is like she's you know more attracted to him because he's you know, pushing her, and then there's one where um, she—I I don't know—they tried six different ways. He said, and he told me all the ways, and I can't remember what they were, but they—they they do sound interesting. Um, one where he's trying to get into her pants, like you know, he's trying to manipulate her into sleeping with her. It just—it sounds really cool, and uh, I am really looking forward to seeing that. It sounds awesome, and it's just so funny that he mentioned that. Uh, this guy's got so many stories, and you know I like that kind of acting stuff. But it really is interesting when you hear them go and they're talking about acting in a film and the way they have to act bad or whatever. And even when he first comes, you know, you you forget how he first comes up with the the voice, and he goes, "What what are you doing? A southern accent? No, I just..." And he just comes up with that voice right there, and that's how it all starts. And it's kind of fascinating. So that must have. Uh, you know, I don't know who the actors were in it and stuff, but it must be quite interesting to see. I'm looking forward to that. So then we go to see Groundhog Day, the musical. You know, we know it's not going to be great or anything, but uh, the funny thing was the guy who I had narrating The Godfather, uh, Mark Friedman, was there. Remember, I told you we went to you know theater school together in college. I mean, we were in college together in theater, you know, in plays. And I want to say theater majors, but I wasn't a theater major, but you know what I'm saying. And he was there with his wife, and and you know it was great to see him. And then I go, hey, it, it was perfect. I'm like, hey, I'm with Larry Moss. Do you want to meet him? I'm like, here's a guy I know. He's gonna know who Larry Moss. He's like, how do you know Larry Moss? You know, like he was just as excited as I was hoping he would be, because I might as well have said, hey, I'm here with Harrison Ford. Do you want to meet him? I mean, that's what I'm talking about. This guy you can't understand. I mean, nobody can. And he's like, how do you know Larry Moss? I'm like, kid, I told you, I know everybody. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, that's my response because there's no other explanation of how I know Larry Moss. It's just really funny. And uh, he was so excited to meet him. And you could see him, like, when we left, he actually walked out with him and they were talking. He must have been thrilled. He had to have been thrilled because I'm telling you, this guy, it's like a, 
I might as well have introduced him to Harrison Ford or somebody like that because it's like it's exciting for actors um, to meet this guy. He is the guy. I don't know why he's like it would be like meeting Lee Strausberg. Apparently, he's the Lee Strausberg of our day. Where you know the more people we get, they've mentioned him on the Oscars already. I'd like to thank my acting coach, Larry Moss, whatever. So I don't know what is. I mean, I meet him, I talk to him. He doesn't. He doesn't sound that intense or anything. He's a great guy and he, he's a really good director. He directs a bunch of stuff, but you know, I, I, I'm dying to sit in on one of his classes. Apparently, he had one here in New York. I'd like to sit in and audit it because um, I, I got to see for myself what is so great about this guy. What is so great about one man who probably never acted? It's fascinating. So I'm dying to know. Uh, but so anyway, Groundhog Day, right? So you heard the musical clips up front. I don't even want to play them again because the thing is, it's a, it's an okay musical. But it's like when you leave, you, the second act is better than the first. A little more dark, you know, when he's trying to kill himself and everything. That was kind of cool. And, you know, it's cool. There's too many sets moving and stuff. In fact, this guy in the post today... Uh, he said, um, where is it? Uh, Through the reviews in London were terrific. The box office here isn't nearly as strong as it should be. And an 18.5 million, the show is expensive. Uh, no wonder nervous investors have been seen clinging to the bar at Gallagher's across the street. Because that's what I was saying. Instead of doing this play, why don't you feed a starving country? You know, that's what I'm saying. This play doesn't need to be done. Uh, but they do say, elsewhere, the gremlins-plagued Groundhog Day seem to be have been tamed. Reports of set malfunctions flooded my inbox for nearly two weeks. It's a Broadway reviewer. At one point, the cast performed the second out without the set. Because the, 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 the set is moving and going all over the place, all over the place. He keeps, you know, they have tricks where he's always up in bed all the time and misdirecting and stuff. And you can see how that that's a bitch to put together. And then it's like, well, why do it then? It's, you know, why do you need to do a movie with so much stuff like that? Because then you have to think of all I can ever think. Like, okay, so Groundhog Day, we're hearing those songs. If I don't leave the theater humming a tune, I'm like, this show's stupid. It's not stupid. It's Is it worth $170? Absolutely not. Is it worth a half-price ticket? Maybe. I got to see it for free, so it was definitely worth it. But it's not bad and it's not good. The lead guy is good. It turns out that was the guy who played Rocky when me and Atel went. He was Rocky. This guy's good. He's good. He was in Saturday Night Fever. I've seen him a bunch of times on Broadway. I guess I'm a fan, but he does a good job. The girl was okay. Uh, but it's just, you know, who cares? That's the thing. We all walked out. It's like, well, it's no Hamilton. You know, whatever. He's like, uh, and you just think it. So the guy that wrote the music also did Matilda. Which was good. But, like, here's a song from Matilda that Jack and Jill, I've left the theater singing, you know? To fetch a pail of water. I love the so English accent, too. Subsequent fall was inevitable. They never stood a chance. They were written that way. Innocent victims of their story. Like Romeo and Juliet. Twas written in the stars before they even met. Love and fate and a touch of stupidity would rob them of the hope of living happily. The endings are often a little bit gory. I wonder why they didn't just change their story. We're told we have to do what we're told, but surely. 
Whatever you know, it's it, but you said it was like it's like it, it was something I left singing with, kind of. It goes. I mean, I must have left the theater going to my nieces like sometimes I have to be a little bit innocent because there's nothing more obnoxious than doing that. Meanwhile, I think that girl is American who's singing that, and she's doing the accent anyway, so. Yeah, you know, I'm always going to do my Dick Van Dyke. But the, the fact of the matter is that until you do, it, everything goes back to the Book of Mormon, which is just the greatest, the greatest. Because when you're looking to make fun of Broadway and do a song that you leave the senior thing with, and this guy we were talking about last week, Andrew Reynolds, he's on Girls Now. The way he sings is the way he sings it as a joke. Uh, and that's what it, everything adds up. I mean, listen to this song. I've always had the hope that on the day I go to heaven, Heavenly Father will shake my hand and say, You've done an awesome job, Kevin. Now it's our time to go out and set the world's people free. We can do it together, you and me, but mostly me. You and me, but mostly me, are gonna change the world forever. Cause I can do most anything. And I can stand next to you and watch. Every hero needs a sidekick. Every captain needs a mate. Just mostly me. It's it's amazing because they're technically making fun of Broadway, and yet they made a better song than the people that aren't making fun and are trying to make real songs. It's a miracle. Listen to the ending. It's this guy is unbelievable. is about to change for you and life is about to change for me and life is about to change for you but me mostly and there's no limit to what we can do me and you but mostly Every song is just as good as that in the Book of Mormon. It's it's a it's a true miracle. And like I said, what's 
I mean, these two guys, what are they doing? They're doing cartoons. They're South Park. I mean, they're brilliant, but they made a better musical than the guys who actually make musicals. It's it's, And every time I'll go see anything, I'm always going to compare it. And the thing about Hamilton is, and we've talked about it, you know, what what's so big about Hamilton? What is this Hamilton? But Hamilton is good because it's different. And we just heard, I mean, Matilda's okay. Ground Dog Day is okay. At least Matilda has, you know, one or two catchy to- tunes. Ground Dog Day has none of that. And and these guys, um, you know, Hamilton at least was different. Uh, I don't like rap, but I still liked it because it wasn't like Groundhog Day, where you're getting really nothing. Uh, you know, it's just like at least these guys tried. And let alone Lin-Manuel, like that one song that I like where the king is singing, which is Andrew Reynolds again, um, you'll be back. That's a better song than everything I saw in Groundhog Day, and he was doing that song as a joke. So that's the that's the rub there. It's just uh, it, it's a nice play. You know, obviously we all worship the movie Groundhog Day. So you know, you were the, the guy who played Ned Ryerson was really funny, and he was doing it perfect. But then in the second act, him. And Nancy Taylor, Nancy, Nancy Taylor, uh, we went to Lincoln High School together. We had Mrs. Walsh in first grade, do you remember? Or 12th grade. Um, remember that girl? She was really sexy. She has her own song, and then so does Ned Ryerson, like a slow song. It turns out his wife died and his children are, it's, I'm like, why is this necessary? With somebody writing like, you know what we got? We got to give Ned Ryerson a song. Shouldn't Ned Ryerson sing like a funny song? Maybe to open act two, like, I sell insurance. I love the game of insurance. I, I It was so weird. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it's good enough. And that's all it is. Um, that's all it is. But I'll tell you, I have a feeling people who were in that theater... I don't think they've seen Groundhog Day. Some of them were like going crazy uh, as if they'd never seen it. It was very odd, but there it was. And uh, there's our uh, show tune breakdown for the uh, let's, uh, you know, for a couple of days until I actually uh, maybe get a part. Then I'll just be all theater because then I'm just going to come out and just be like, oh, my God, I got to see everybody. Hey. I'm still going to try to be a man, but I walked in there like a man. Now I'm going to act like a man. <laughs> oh, speaking. So I'm so into show tunes now and thinking about auditioning for this stuff, right? So I'm writing The Godfather, The Last Godfather, May 9th, down at the Village Underground. And uh, I put in some Carlo at the end when he's, uh, you know, being questioned by uh, Al Pacino or Michael, I, I put in a song from a chorus line, <laughs> mostly because I want to sing, because I'm leading up to the next project, which is definitely going to be Grease. I said, I'm definitely going to do Grease. So I think what it is, is I'm doing this in May, finish up The Godfather, right? Then in August, I'm having my birthday. And then I think it's September, I'm going to do Grease. And then, and then in December, are you ready for this? I suppose this is, uh, you know, breaking news. Um, wait, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I want to get it because I want to get it for something else. So hold on. Okay. 
Breaking news. Dave Jessica has an announcement this December. Breaking news. This December, instead of a Christmas carol, I will be doing Love Actually. Love Actually on stage. Love Actually. Yeah, I'm going to give it a try. It's a Christmas movie, and uh, who gives a shit? We're just moving it along. And then in uh, February or March, we'll start Goodfellas. Got it all figured out, right? Look, I planned my entire year. It's going to be terrific. I tell you, terrific. Every three months, we got something going on. It's happening. It's late night happenings. It's going to be terrific, I tell you. So that way, what am I going to do? What's my line? To continue your emotional education. What are you going to do? Dip it in yogurt, cover it in chocolate. No, no, no bloody holly. I mean, we're all going to have to do British accents. It's going to be a little tough. Tell you what I'm definitely going to do. Cut out all of Laura Linney's scenes. Every single one. She stinks. I've never seen an actress who can bring down a movie. She's horrible. And I saw she's coming to Broadway. I ain't seeing that show. She really is a dull boring actress she is the denzel washington for me i've found denzel washington to always be very dull and boring i know other people don't feel that way but that's the way i feel but laura linney is my denzel washington she stinks she almost ruins love actually single-handedly but at the time i guess she was a star i don't know it's funny maybe they did it as a joke it's all british actors except for her She's the American one, and she stinks. Maybe they did it as a joke. Like, look, Americans stink. Look who we got, Laura Linney. She's horrible. She's so horrible that even her character in the movie is horrible because that every time her phone rings, it's annoying. You know, when it's her brother, her retard brother. Oh, my God. Yeah, we'll cut that out. Obviously, we'll have to cut out Martin Freeman's part two. Or no, maybe we'll keep that in where they're naked. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Anyway, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. That's the breaking news for that. Now, here's some uh, really uh, fascinating breaking news. Uh, I think you'll like, or maybe not like, but um, I purchased two boxes of Crayola crayons, the 64-pack, because on Friday it was announced that Crayola was taking out was discontinuing a color in the 64-pack. Do you know what it is? Breaking news. On Friday, Crayola officially discontinued the color dandelion. Yes, no more will anyone be able to color with the dandelion theme. It's kind of an off yellow, I guess. Dandelion always used to be my favorite color of choice. No, the fact of the matter is flesh color was my favorite choice, and then, of course, that became racist, so then they changed it to pink beige, and now it's called peach. Now, why they couldn't just name it peach at the beginning, I don't know, but apparently flesh colored is racist. That was my favorite crayon. It was a perfect one. It was a little brighter than the other ones. It wasn't yellow. So every time I would draw with flesh-colored, I guess all of my um, stick figure people came out as 
Hispanic. Uh, but that, that was my favorite color. Flesh. I'm still calling it flesh. I'm going to get a whole bunch of flesh colored and just throw it at everybody in the audience. I do my act. Oh, what an act I've got to tell you. I'm going to go up there and be like, hey, have you heard Crayola stop dandelion? <laughs> Hello, is this on? Seriously, is somebody can please, can we turn this on? That's the breaking news. Also, other breaking news. Time after time, after my rant, the television show time after time, canceled. Thank you. Fuck you. You don't do your research, you get canceled. You stink. I was so angry about that. I can't stop thinking about it because I guess I'm still writing the Godfather stuff, right? So I do a minimal amount of research. I know we talked about this last week at length. A minimal amount. I was doing something with J. Edgar Hoover, and I found out who they thought his gay lover was. I looked it up online. I was like, oh, I know he was gay. Let me look up who his lover. Found it in two seconds. That stupid time after time. Fuck them. I really want to write a letter, but I don't know. It's pointless. It got canceled. I didn't even want it to get canceled. But after that, when you're going back to 1980 and you bring a historian, you know what? Should I write an article for this? I don't know. Is it worth it? Is this the stupidest thing? How do you write a show? You're a historian, and it's like it's 1980. Just talk about Madonna and MTV. You fucking idiot. What the hell is that? Oh, I, why? and why is it bothering me so much? That's the issue. Why is it bothering me so much? I guess because because I'm involved. You know, I'm involved with the story, and then I'm a history major. And again, when I'm writing a script, all I got to do is I, I press one button. I Google the information. It's right there. I got to find out who wrote that episode, and then I, I got to bash them. I have to bash them. But is it worth it? What if that guy becomes like the next... Uh, What's that guy did the Facebook movie? Aaron Sorkin. Then I'm in trouble. Is this enough research for you? My research is you stink. You got to be careful. You got to be careful now that I'm, uh, you know, I'm in the business again. I'm in show business. I'm in show business. I tell you, show business. Speaking of show business, this Daniel Craig, we talked about this guy. Oh, he's signing on for another Bond now that he's, uh, what a pussy. I mean, I love Daniel Craig and I think he's the best Bond ever. But, oh, my God, what an asshole. Just because, you know, uh, Barbara Broccoli produced Othello, now he's okay with, yeah, right, what the hell, I'll do another one. They were looking at, because he was saying he would either slash his wrist and do another bond, Tom Hiddleston. Remember this douchebag? Let's hope this guy never works again. This is that idiot that's on that show, Doctors Without Borders, or I don't know, one of the Netflix shows, whatever. And he was on the, not the Oscars, I guess the Golden Globes or Emmys, whatever it was. And he was on sitting there going like, God, I got so excited. I took a trip to, to, to Sudan. And, you know, he's got that stupid British accent. And, and he's like, I couldn't believe they were binge watching my show. And, you know, I was really and I'd forgotten about the famine for one minute. Just it was great thinking about myself. And apparently that and dating Taylor Swift sunk his chances of being James Bond. I got to tell you, that makes me really happy. The sources have spoken there were sources that said that's what sunk his chances. Like Barbara Broccoli was saying, this guy's an idiot. And he's talking about himself when he's in the Sudan that he was so happy they were binge watching his stupid show and then dating, you know, Taylor Swift, which was all creepy for everybody. It's so great that that messed up his chances to be James Bond. It should have repercussions. If you're that much of a dick, you shouldn't be able to play James Bond. 
or really anything that's great if you suck. So that's good news. So Daniel Craig is going to be back, and uh, maybe it'll be his last one, but that's fine. He did five of them, and I've only liked one of them, actually. I mean, only one of them is the most brilliant bomb movie I've ever seen. Quantum of Solace, uh, I'll watch it. Eh, whatever, we know it sucks. Skyfall, again, uh, doesn't really work for me. I watched Spectre again recently. It's pretty good, but the problem is nothing beats Casino Royale. That is just an A-list awesome James Bond movie. Probably the best James Bond movie I've ever seen in the sense of a James Bond movie being an awesome movie and not just a James Bond movie. If you're talking about a James Bond movie, I mean, for me, you know, I like The Spy Who Loved Me. I'm always going to like The Spy Who Loved Me. It's the first Bond movie I ever saw, and it had all the gimmicks and the gadgets, and it's what James Bond technically turned into. Uh, So, you know, that to me is kind of a quintessential where it wasn't bad yet, and it was the gadgets and the nonsense, and that's James Bond. So... Casino Royale is just a good movie. It's a good movie. Uh, it doesn't matter that he's James Bond. That just makes it better. And you know, like we've we've talked about this countless of times, it just works on every level, including the Bond girl, who's not your typical Bond girl. Uh, she's a traitor and a double agent, but you know, falls for him in, a, in the bestest of ways. And um, she's really good actress, which uh, the other Bond girls are not. Uh, so it just, uh, so I'm good with Daniel Craig. I'll see anything he's in. Be- I, I wish I had seen that though, because even though he's a baby and it's so funny because they hate this guy, Tom Middleton, right? But because Daniel Craig has played James Bond, he's always going to win for me. Like no matter, I don't care what he does. I don't care if he's a crybaby. I'm going to see anything he's in because he's James Bond and he's the greatest James Bond ever. Yeah. He's the best. He's better than Sean Connery. Obviously better than Roger Moore, but if you had to compare, Sean Goddard is really great. He's really great, but J- Danny Craig is just it's, it's it's a better situation. So it's not fair, but uh, I don't know. That's why I like uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo because Danny Craig is in it, and he's awesome. He's James Bond, goddammit. it! And if he was here right now, I'd kiss his ass, and I'd be like, and I would never say, "Oh, you're such a baby. Oh, I gotta do a thing." I would just be like, "God, you're you're terrific. Look at you, Daniel. You are." You're just a great man. I would do that. Just like with Harrison Ford, it's so funny. He's not getting into any trouble. Uh, You know, he keeps crashing his plane or flying into other planes. It's so funny. He's always in trouble. He's crashed or he's had some near misses. He keeps fucking up because he's, you know, he's old and and he shouldn't be flying a plane. But, you know, the, the, the... You know, the FAA is just like, or I think that's who it is, right? Federal Air, whatever it is. They're just like, eh, he's, he's all right. Like, he didn't get into any trouble. He should have been. If it was anyone else, they probably would have gotten their license taken away. And said, But who is going to stop Harrison Ford? Who's going to stop Han Solo and Indiana Jones from doing whatever they want in this lifetime? The guy's not just Han Solo. He's also Indiana Jones. Again, we are talking about Sylvester Stallone shit. If you're Harrison Ford is an actual actor. If you, in this lifetime, that's why Sylvester Stallone is actually better because he's an idiot 
And he created two of the greatest iconic American actors of our time. And so did Harrison Ford. But Harrison Ford didn't create them himself. So Mr. Sloan created them himself. He's so stupid and he created the characters. Harrison Ford, they were written for by somebody else. But he bought life to him. I'm not taking anything away. But if you create two huge movie franchises and two legendary characters that every boy ever wants to be, then you win. And you fly wherever you want. And I'll tell you something. If you fly into somebody else's plane, they're going to be like, hey, I got hit by Harrison Ford. Yeah, I know I died, but it was, it was Harrison for Han Solo. He, he was flying the Millennium Falcon. It was terrific. It was, who, who's going to be angry? Nobody's going to be angry if Harrison Ford flies into you. You're going to be like, no, it was Harrison Ford. If it's some other idiot, anybody, you're going to be like, that guy should not have a license. That guy should not have a license. It's going to be all nonsense and craziness. Harrison Ford, you're going to let him go. When is that going to happen? Two, two of the top grossing box office uh, franchises of all time, Star Wars and Indiana Jones, this guy created, you know, he was in them, he created, I mean, this guy's a, a genius. And, and I don't know, so we got him, so we got to look that up. Him, Stallone, I, is there anyone else who's done two? Two different iconic characters? I can't think. I don't I don't know. Sorry, my cat's driving me crazy. Um I we we gotta think. We gotta think. Is there someone I don't think there's anybody else. Not in the move, not like that, not at that level. But the major point is that Harrison Ford is the shit, and really, even though we know he's kind of a douchebag like in real life like, he just doesn't like doing interviews and stuff like that which we hate you know because you just want to see somebody be awesome but we'll let it all go because he is Harrison Ford and he is Han Solo and Indiana Jones and those two are the coolest ever now that's our podcast for today we're really all over the place uh this week now next week let's see uh i don't know what i'm gonna do i know i'm gonna have my friend mary we're talking a little basketball maybe in a couple of weeks and the playoffs start or something like that but uh definitely gonna try and get a guest next week just kind of mix it up right? i gotta talk to somebody but uh yeah so that's it april 21st gonna be in toronto if you're in toronto you're in the neighborhood come see me at the uh, casino over there. I don't know what it's called. It's called Slipco's Casino. I think uh, somebody took a picture of me. It's, it's, it holds a lot of people. It holds a hell of a lot of people. Yikes. And uh, Comedy Cellar May 9th. i got to put that together. I don't know. I'm just working on it now. Everything's coming together. Uh, Passover. Is this coming Monday? Passover? Yeah, next week it's going to be Passover. I talk. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I won't be able to have my cup of coffee. Uh, it might not be kosher for Passover. But <laughs> Got to make up the matzo lasagna. Got to make three matzo lasagnas for Passover. Everybody loves the matzo lasagna. You cannot use pasta because it has yeast and flour, which are no-nos during Passover, which starts Monday night, the 10th. Passover. We're doing my uh, Charlton Heston invitation and such. So, anyway... Have a great week, everybody. We will see you next week on Passover on the podcast. See you then.
Had a great time today.